And you know, what's happening now is Australian companies are using the move to renewables as an excuse to push their agenda for mining, especially with copper and rare earth minerals. There was a report by the London Mining Network and War on Want that was produced this week, actually. And it says that mining and mineral processing alone is responsible for 20% of global climate impact, with the extraction projected to more than double between 2011 and 2060 under the current business-as-usual growth rate. So for, for metals and minerals, that rate's even higher. I, I, I believe that one of the figures that was quoted was that mining would have to increase by four times to meet the, the current uh, demand for renewables. So... It's really a massive amount of mining. We actually don't have that amount of resources in the world to support that level of growth. And that's where I think a whole lot of these, our concerns are around, you know, while I think, you know, it's fantastic to have a push towards renewables, the amount of copper that's needed for an electric car, for example, I think it's about four times what a normal car is. And they also need incredible amount of rare earth minerals, which are incredibly toxic. To mine, and the reality is that the communities that are being affected by these moves are often disadvantaged communities. The communities who have a, from indigenous communities, the global south. So the reality is that those are the communities that are going to be bearing the brunt of the impacts of our attempts to address some of these climate change issues. I was given a lift to the station today in a second-hand BMW i3, which is an electric car. And the car has no emissions. It's charged by solar panels. So you, you're distinguishing these sort of renewable projects. You're saying that they're doing harm because they're, the BMW is, is sourcing its copper in Ecuador and, and similar places, which is doing a lot of environmental damage. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So what, what, <laughs> what, what, I, what do I say to the owner of that car? I don't own the car, but what do I say? Or what, what can she do? To uh, the reality is, an, an electric car. I think it takes about two or three years for it to get to for essentially for the amount of emissions that it takes to produce to create the car to be um, equivalent to a, non, a current fossil fuel car. So it takes an incredible amount more resources to pro- to produce that car. Once it, if, it's, if it's running off a solar powered grid that dramatically improves its uh, emissions overall. If, it, if it's running off a coal-fired power station, that's, you're not going to have that same kind of impact in the same way. It's, it might, over time, it might be better than a fossil fuel car. But if you're looking at buying a new electric car, you'd be better to drive your fossil fuel car for another 10 years. <laughs> and, but you can't keep continuing on consuming the way that we are. So it's not enough for us all to replace our cars with renewable cars. We need to drastically change whole way we are viewing consuming that we're viewing driving and getting around so or not to mention it consuming on on any level so that's part of that's part of the issue it's like you can't just replace things with something renewable and say i'm doing something for the planet you know i've done my bit it, it takes a lot more than that and it's definitely a step in the right direction but not when it's at the expense of rainforests in the amazon that are providing our oxygen yeah it's it's kind of bewildering when you have a company like bmw just recently signed a deal with bhp codelco which is so codelco is a chilean owned mining company and one of the areas that they're wanting to mine is the, is the one 
next to Osedras, the Mandura, Manduriaku Reserve. And this is this reserve with so many species, a lot of them haven't even been discovered yet. And, and they're justifying going into that, into that reserve by saying, oh, well, we're doing our bit by having these electric cars. And one of the pushes that we would really like to see is that mining companies and car companies in particular were responsible for the resources they extract from the beginning to the end point. So from the point at which the, um, the copper is, is, is uh, extracted or refined to right to the point where it's recycled and actually be responsible for that recycling. Otherwise, what's going to happen is there's going to be, at the other end, there's just going to be an incredible, and that's already happening with solar panels and ending up in landfill and things. You have an incredible amount of resources that is just discarded. And this is where a really um, well-considered effort to harness and to mine what's called urban mining, so where you're essentially reusing those resources as much as possible rather than mining for forests or, or Indigenous communities' land without their permission, damaging waterholes. The um, politics of mm. copper in Latin America goes back a long way, of mm. course, and it's been associated with right-wing coups. You mentioned Chile. The coup d'etat mm. in Chile in 1973 was largely driven by the copper conglomerates. They, they asked the CIA in. That was the ITT, the big telecommunications company. Of course, our own Australian capitalist here, Bond, was was a party to that because he held shares in copper in Chile. And also, there's been generally in recent years a move to the right and therefore, you know, making these concessions available to international capital. You know, Australia is only a small player in that. Canada is very big in Latin American mining and, of course, the right-wing Lenin Moreno government now has signed a pact with the Americans, so you can only guess at where politically they're headed. How do progressive people who already got our heads full of, of climate change issues, uh, the emergencies that are being visited upon Indigenous people in, in the Amazonian rainforest, how do we get our act together and, and challenge this move to the right? Well, it's a really tough question, and I think that this is where a lot of these big companies, they are very sensitive to public opinion. BHP is quite sensitive to shareholder questions, and, and you know, so that on one level, on one level, getting shareholders involved to put pressure on those companies is important because a lot of the time shareholders may have absolutely no idea that the company that they're investing in is is responsible for some of the deforestation and, and damage to the communities that they have been. So that's one level that's important, continuing putting pressure on political system. I mean, it's a, there's a global cl- uh, climate strike today that is obviously is going to eventually get politicians to sit up and realise that there's quite a, a, a growing uh, section of the community that are really concerned about what's happening with the planet and want something to change now. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, look, you know, I think personally I feel that we've almost gone beyond the point where we can keep things at 2% warming, which will, you know, I mean, already there's going to be so many impacts just from having a 2% warming, warming but, you know, I'm, without any drastic change now, we're looking at a much higher rise and... And that is going to have an incredible impact globally. It's, it's, it's hard to even imagine. And, but I fear that 
a lot of these political uh, leaders aren't going to do anything about it until it's already too late. And, and it's, a, it's a tragedy, <laughs> absolute tragedy. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca. Is there anything you'd like to add, something of a practical nature? Or? One of the things that concerns us is the links in, in the Soul Gold, if we go back to Soul Gold, um, some of the, especially in the north of Ecuador, you have uh, guerrillas from Colombia that have come down into Ecuador and they've, they've, helped, they've sort of formed these um, armed militia have been responsible for some of these crime cartels. Are, they're running drugs, but they're also increasingly um, having illegal mining um, and running illegal mining on various concessions, including one held by uh, Gina Reinhardt. Uh, there was a, that, at one point, there was 12,000 illegal miners on her concession. Um, a couple of months ago, the Ecuadorian military came in and there was about 5,000 people that removed us at that point. But there'd been people killed, dumped down mine shafts, um, and that was, you know, so that, that, and that's only, that area is only about 10 kilometres, 10 or 20 kilometres from Solgold's flagship project called Cascabel, which is supposed to be as, as big, it's one of the biggest copper mines in the, may well be, end up being one of the biggest copper mines in the world if it goes ahead and if they, but, this area is just rife with security issues. It's, that's, uh, it's not far from the border with uh, Colombia. They're planning to put a pipeline from the mine to the port, which goes through 60 kilometres, an area of 60 kilometres where there's towards a place called San Lorenzo. And last year there was a couple of car bombings. There was three journalists were murdered in that area bombs and transmission towers. So this is the area that they're proposing to put a pipeline through. There's no way they can actually protect that. And power is coming from Colombia. So on every level, there's incredible security issues. Um, we're concerned about the military going in. This is, again, this is an area which is all uh, forested, um, rare species. Um, so so it's not, not only will this mine potentially be built in a politically unstable and dangerous area, but the pipeline and mining infrastructure could come under attack or be sabotaged, as could the mine itself. So, we, you know, Solgold's selling a whole lot of these uh, mines as being this incredible investment opportunity, but the reality is they really are a risky investment. And if they do go ahead, there's concerns, as I said, with the environmental impacts, impacts on water, and then the day-to-day operations in terms of security are really quite um, scary as well for the area. Okay, thank you very much. I hope good luck yeah, with your campaign. Yeah, thank you.